Welcome to the Champagne and Campaign podcast, where we talk everything basketball and much more. I'm your host, Darcy Emery. We've got a special two-part episode for you today. In part one, Benji joins me on our first ever segment of Champagne Rugby League as we recap and react to an epic 2021 NRL Grand Final. In part two, I'm joined once again by Benji, but this time along with Clay Thompson's biggest fan, Aaron Hughes. As we continue our preview of the upcoming NBA season, this time hitting on the Golden State Warriors. So make sure you stick around for that. But first, let's pop a cork on our first ever rugby league chat on the CNC pod. We are recording this Monday evening about 6pm on October 4th. It's a public holiday here in New South Wales and that's because we had an NRL grand final last night. And the Penrith Panthers got redemption, taking out the 2021 Premiership in an absolute ripper of the contest. This is a first for the, for the podcast. Yes, that's right. We are talking rugby league on the CNC pod. So to help me break down the grand final, I have with me uh, a not-too-shabby junior rugby player in his own right, whether it's kicking the grand final winning field goal for Lane Cove Rugby Club or running out at fullback for Redlands First 15. He's a loyal Chooks fan. Benji Dixon, welcome back to the pod, Benji. Thanks very much for, uh, for having me, Dars. It was good fun last year uh, being on the pod with yourself and Christian. So, yeah, keen to, uh, keen to have a bit of a chat today. And, um, yeah, thanks for the wrap with regards to the junior footy there. I um, didn't think too many people knew about that. I, I still go to sleep thinking about all that stuff, mate. So uh, good, to, good to bring it back up again. But, uh, yeah, what a ripper last night, eh? Hell of a grand final. What an absolute epic battle. The score was 14-12 to the Penrith Panthers over the brave South Sydney Rabbitohs. So a quick review for our listeners out there. It was Matt Burton who, who broke the seal with the try in, in the 16th minute off of a Jerome Luai pass before Cody Walker quickly responded with an absolute gem of a solo try, fending off Nathan Cleary and running 30 metres to score. We ended up at 8-6 at halftime lead for the Panthers, but it was evened quickly on by the boot of Reynolds in the first five minutes of the second half. The play that opened the door for Penrith to win this one was Stephen Crichton. Intercept and runaway try for Cody Walker pass in the 68th minute. It was, it was a pass along the left edge from Walker. that He, he had gay guy in the hole, but he elected to go wide and the outstretched arms of Critter plucked it from the sky for, for a big four-pointer. So South they would have one more courageous push in the final 10 minutes of the game and some silky play ended in an Alex Johnson try in the 73rd minute. But unfortunately for Souths, Adam Reynolds narrowly missing the conversion to the, to the far side. Reynolds also had another chance to try to keep them staying alive with, with about a 42-metre drop kick with less than, less than a minute to go and unfortunately it was not to be. Penrith held on to win, 14 points to 12. What an enthralling contest in front of 44,000 at Suncourt Stadium. It was, it was just a hell, a hell of a game. And what I, what I guess I want to get into with you, with you, Benji, was what did you think was probably the biggest moment of the game? What stood out to you as the biggest moment? Yeah. Um, oh, look, I think straight away, Dars, when you think biggest moment, you probably have to talk about the, the Cody Walker pass, right? It was... Um, 
it looked like it was on. I think it's fascinating that I read in a couple of articles post-game that Penrith is apparently saying that they sort of planned for that. They thought that Cody was possibly going to run and, and throw a bit of a speculator and that they sort of planned for that. Crichton was obviously in the perfect position. I don't know about that. I think that was just run of the game. I think it was a chance, probably decision from both Cody to throw it. Uh, but Crichton obviously just nailed, nailed that decision and it was a game changer. I mean, I don't want to harp on that as... I mean, Cody was absolutely fantastic. He was the best, one of the best players on the field for mine. You touched on his try, which was completely solo for mine in the first half, whereby he's oh, catching yeah. it. He's got the big fend on, on clearing. He's under the posts. But two other things um, that I want to touch on that I think were possibly game changes, um, and you'll like this, Dars, being obviously, um, you know, in the bunker yourself, uh, the kick charge down. It's mm. a silly rule, and the commentators, Gus, Rabs, Joey, probably said it was a stupid rule at least 15, 20 times. But um, mm. I, I agree with them. It's it's that one where if you're a defender, you're running out at the kicker and you're making the tackle. For, you're effectively committing to the tackle, and therefore you're committing to whatever the result is when the kicker kicks it. So in this case, uh, I think it's Reynolds um, or maybe even Walker. They've, they've kicked it. It's come off the arm of the Penrith player. It's gone out, but they've basically said he hasn't played at it. And um, I think that was a tough one. I think um, there was another one where Cleary made a tackle uh, and the ball oh, went Walker. out. Mm. But yeah, ball went out again. It was Walker. Um, possibly came off Cleary, but again, they've sort of said that he was just making a tackle. So I thought those were two sort of pivotal points where if it goes the other way and the Rabbitohs um, come off with it, it, it's a different game. But um, yeah, flashes of brilliance uh, and that first try to Burton, um, Campbell Graham made the wrong read there, unfortunately. So that was um, what happened there. And as a, as a young goal kicker myself, you've got a feel for Reynolds last game. He would have loved to have nailed that one. You think about that as a, as a kicker and as a kid. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, we could talk about it for ages. Uh, so there was a lot to unpack, but in the end, an amazing game. And I think the most deserving team won in Penrith. Yeah, no doubt. Got to, got to agree with you there. I think if we go back to what you were talking talking about with the potential decisions, I thought personally that the game was was refereed excellently. I thought, yeah. I thought they really kept out of it and there wasn't, you know, you mentioned those two things, those those two elements where the decision kind of impacted the the momentum of the game. But to to the rule book and to the, the letter of the law and the way that they've been interpreting this season, those decisions I thought personally were correct. So, if you think about it from a South perspective, and I think uh, the comments of of the coach Wayne would not would rectify that. They would support that. They don't. You know, they don't think that they were robbed in, in any sort of way. It was it was an absolute thrilling game and the the ebb and flow of back and forth, it was, you know, it, it probably, when you take the game as a totality, Penrith really had asserted dominance and force and, and particular field position in, in a lot of the matchups. So, yeah, for sure. Um, one, one other thing I'd add is that the Jai Arrow thing I thought was really interesting. He, he sort of comes on and he was a big signing for the Raptors and it played pretty well throughout the year. Um, he sort of gets leveled by um, by kick out of there, and he's a little bit stumbly. Uh, he, I thought he looked okay, but he, he got taken off for an HIA. He came back on, but then he gave away the penalty uh, to give the Panthers the, the two 
point of differential riding. You gave away that penalty right in front. It's an easy two points for Cleary. They go in possibly with that psychological edge of being up 8-6. I think it's different if it's 6-all, but they go up 8-6. It's still very much halftime anyone's game, and I think anyone watching would have agreed that either team could have won. But I thought that was, yeah, maybe a bit of a turning point. Reynolds came back on and leveled it up pretty soon. But, um, yeah, look, uh, there was a lot to it that, um, yeah, as a fan, you just you love a grand final like that. You love a close one where two teams are, are completely bashing each other to the point where there's a two-point um, win mm. as opposed to something that could have been, you know, a 16 or a 20-point loss for one of them. I just think the fact that it was a close game made it a, a thriller as well. Well, all, all three of... Penrith's last games in this final series have been absolute rippers, right? They've they've been they've been physical, they've been hard, it's been tight, it's been, you know, that old-fashioned rugby league that necessarily we, we didn't see much of it during the regular season with a lot of a lot of blowouts from from teams that weren't in that top four. And yeah, we've seen some some excellent footy in the last three weeks of the, the rugby league season. But I think the the quote that I heard from from Wayne Bennett after the game, I think it sums it up pretty well in terms of South's perspective and how, how the game went. You know, Wayne says, you go through life, you have disappointments and regrets. This is a disappointment tonight. It's not a regret. I don't regret anything. The effort we put into this game, we just lost by two points. And I think that was that really spells out just how well I thought South played and, and how much they gave it. And it was just a matter of there's got to be a winner and there's got to be a loser. And in this one... There are, a, there are a couple of, of things in particular that with a limited amount of chances that South had in field position, they really needed to absolutely nail a few chances right near the Panthers' try line to, to get over on top. It, ne- it never felt like in this game that South had it won. It felt like they were just trying, they were in the game the entire time, but it never felt like they had it won. So a big moment for me or a big, a, a big moment that didn't seem like such a big moment in the time was you talked about that momentum coming into halftime. It was really unbelievable that South had taken so many, they, they copped so many uh, repeat sets in their, in their own half again and again in that first half. But you look up and it's only 8-6 at halftime. So the start of the second half, in, in the 42nd minute, I think I'm in the first or second set for South, they get in really good field position. They take it to the left edge. Really nice ball from Reynolds to Walker over to Gagai in the corner about five metres out. And he kind of rushes it and drops the ball. A really good position for them on the field. And obviously, Gagai had an exceptional game. I thought he was one of the best players for South. I think he had 12 tackle busts, which was by far the best in the game. And, and what we know about Gagai is a big-time player. He really stepped up. But that was an opportunity that went begging. And it kind of felt like they didn't, they didn't get any better field position on that left edge, close to the try line, until that Johnston try in the 73rd minute. So missing that opportunity, it didn't feel like that big a thing at the 42nd minute, but when you go almost 30 minutes in the game without getting another good bit of field position, then that kind of missed opportunity really bites you. And obviously the uh, the intercept from from Crichton is kind of a, the, yeah, the thing that gave Penrith the, the belief that they could go on and, and really take the win. I think what Nathan Cleary said in the um, post-game interview is is interesting as well. He goes, when it comes to those big moments, that's the thing about Crichton. He has the ability to do that. He's trained for that too. It's a beautiful moment. When it happens, that's just surreal, just pure gold. So obviously getting the intercept try in a grand final is something special. And we do know about Crichton and what a good athlete he is. 
he'd really turned it on down the back end of the season, scoring tries in game after game. So I think you're right. What you mentioned about the intercept before that, it's a read that Crichton's just made. It's natural footballer. He goes and decides, oh, I think I think he's going to throw this cut out here. I think he's going to go wide. And truth is, he, he Walker had that guy in the hole. But that's just those moments in the game that, that, you know, that really define a grand final. But I think when you take the game in totality, the Panthers really had a, had a dominant force. And the kicking game in Cleary, I thought it was clear that that, that game plan and, and the pressure that they put on first and second tackle after... After their fifth tackle kick options, it was that was the formula for success for Penrith. For sure, a couple of things you, you've touched on there, Dust, which were, were pivotal. The Cleary kicking game, as a sort of young halfback at, at times growing up playing rugby league, you know that at least for the first ten to fifteen minutes of a rugby league match, you're letting these big boppers just sort of run at each other and really tire each other out. And as a halfback, you're just sort of leading them around the park. But where you can make an impact in the first 10 or 15 is through your kicking game and ensuring that you get good position and that your forwards, after they've done a whole bunch of work throughout the set, are getting that sort of good momentum and are getting that breather running forward. Um, you, you can make a difference. And I think Cleary, at least in the first 15, 20, put on a kicking masterclass. Uh, masterclass. Some of those kicks whereby, you know, he was probably 15 or 28, he'd just kick it high enough uh, and landed about a metre outside the goal line, whereby, um, you know, the, the, the Rabbitohs Taff uh, would have to sort of take it. And as soon as he catches it, he has two or three Penrith guys on him and he's getting taken over the try line. It's a goal line dropout. So that's what I'll say about the clear kicking game. Again, pivotal probably went a long way to getting him the, the Clive Churchill. What, um, what about what about some of those, you know, he's, he's getting ready for that fifth tackle kick. He's putting it in the perfect position but he's putting an extra about five metres of height on it. He's just mm. practised that to perfection. And that extra loop gives his backs just enough time to get to the contest so that's not a clean take from the Rabbitohs. And what some casual fans don't understand is if he – those kicks that are landing one and two metres out from the try line, if they're going in goal, they're getting taken, and that's a seven-tackle set going the other way. So it's only a metre or two away from being a crack kick. And he really nailed that. I can't really think of one moment where he missed it. Margin of error, bro. Margin of error. That's that's what you're dealing with there as a halfback year, right? You, you've got to get a pinpoint accuracy. Otherwise, you're giving up seven tackles and a 20-meter restart. I could do a podcast purely on Cleary's kicking game. I'm not sure if you've watched a couple of games sort of back on the season where fifth tackle, it seems like he's almost just playing um, park footy out there. He'll get it and he'll kick it on a banana. And he aims at the posts deliberately because you know that if you're getting a, a post ricochet, it's probably going to end up um, somewhat positive for yourself as the attacking team. So clear his kicking game. I, I want to touch on Crichton Dask because he talked about him. Yeah. He, I almost felt like back into the season whilst he was playing well, has sort of gone off into the ethos a little bit. He, he was a name that was associated with New South Wales origin there for a while. And, you know, mm -hmm. probably one of the best athletes in the league, I think. We can all still appreciate that he is one of the better athletes in the league, but with this stacked Panthers team, there's so many good backs that I don't think he um, was almost that sort of, you know, origin type, you know, he's the best player on this team. He's an athletic freak. Uh, it's almost like you'd moved on to like your Burton's obviously clear. He was always getting a lot of talk. Um, you know, Edwards has been really good at the back. They've just had a lot of really good guys and Crichton's just been, a guy that has been solid, um, a massive play in a grand final, though that probably goes a, a long way to making sure he's around the Origin team next year for sure. Because uh, uh, athlete mm -hmm. for sure, I think he was 
probably a bit unlucky not to make the New South Wales team, just given mm-hmm. the depth that they have in the backs, because, you know, Toho was able to get his debut and so was Luai, and it felt like Crichton was probably deserving, but just missed out. And that's, I guess, the nature of the depth of the Blues lineup. But I thought, Nathan, uh, sorry, Ivan Cleary deserves quite a bit of credit for mixing it up and really post-origin, given a lot of the ins and outs they had in their lineup and the lack of continuity with their, their squad every week, he did a really good job of, fortifying those center those center positions you know i thought momorovsky had given them a serious amount of stability and without doing anything amazing obviously the emergence of burton is one of the best and consistent centers in the game is can't go unnoticed you know you talk about that uh that heady play that he made where it was a um kick over to the to the wing uh to the south player uh, what's what's the south winger's name uh paula Paulo, yes, and he was caught it just a little bit off balance, coming backwards, but yeah. hops on him straight away and takes him over the line, and then Penrith's getting another six. So he's been awesome. Momorowski was was solid, only made one or two errors, really um, got through some good metres, and being able to have Crichton in that back three, especially having him on the wing, it's turned him into more of a try-scoring machine. I think he's showing that he could potentially be a fullback of the future, and... Obviously, he's got that athleticism and he becomes a kick target on the wing. And, and you saw Cleary do that against the Storm where he, he grabbed it out of dummy half and chipped it all the way across to Crichton on the wing and that was an easy above-head catch. So I think Ivan, Ivan Cleary really found something there with, with Crichton and, you know, he deserves all the credit in the world for um, for taking making that inset and having a big game. That's it. it it's that Momorovsky-Crichton pairing, right? They're on the same side. And if you asked me before the season or told me before the season that, Penrith are going to win the grand final and, and on one side they're going to have Momorowski in the centre and Crichton in the wing. He came out of nowhere, Mommy. I would have been confused. I would have been confused. Momorowski, sure, but Crichton, I always thought he was a centre at least and that he possibly could have been a bit of waste. But to your point, Ivan's gotten clearly the best out of the guys on that squad. He's he's put guys in the back line that, um, you know, I know are going to get it done. And I actually want to give Dylan Edwards a little bit of a shout out. Um given that we're talking about the Penrith back line, I think for a fullback that, again, is, is probably a little bit under the radar. You know, he's not making any rep teams. Um, he, he's dealt with a lot of injuries in the last yeah. season. He, he hasn't put a lot of weeks together in a row of form. Well, the, the news coming out of last night, Dars, was that he had a broken foot for probably the last three or four weeks of the season. Apparently, he was walking around on a moon-booted crutches and wasn't training, and they did a good job to keep it out of the media and uh, just got a whole bunch of... Uh, cortisol in the ankle before the game and uh out he oh, yeah. runs out he goes and i think runs for around 200 meters and you know 220 220 right and and on a broken foot um you know you always hear about these stories coming out of grand finals apparently cleary had a pretty bum shoulder as well and was just sort of playing with mm-hmm. that strapped up i know there's a bit of sort of gladiator um you know we want to make these guys out to be you know absolute superheroes and they are but yeah, the Edwards piece, I thought he was pretty good at fullback um, and finished the year really well and was probably an unsung hero, I reckon. You have to have a good fullback in the NRL in 2021 to win a premiership. It's just such a pivotal position. I think he did really well. No doubt. I think he was he was definitely solid. I think he probably benefited from the fact that South didn't have a lot of field position because we know how deadly their kicking game is. And if they're getting multiple sets going at your try line, then the kicking game of of Walker and Reynolds would have potentially troubled him because we know that at times he has kind of got found out a little bit in under that high ball, but you know, you can't fold. He, he was mistake free in the, in the grand final and obviously playing through injury. That's huge running over 200 meters. 
really all the running from the backfield of, uh, of Penrith in the first and second tackle was excellent all night long. Talk about Toa, he came back to his best in this game. He was huge, over 200 metres again, over 200 metres for Crichton running out of the backfield. Momorowski, we talked about him and, and how solid he was. You compare that to how difficult it was for South to get out of their back end. When you talk yeah. about Polo, it felt like Johnson didn't really have a run all game. Taff, I thought, tried really hard and didn't make any absolutely glaring mistakes that led to a try, but... Mm-hmm. Almost every time he got the ball, he got dragged to push backwards. And I think that has to do with the sheer size of Penrith. And this is why I think they're the best team in the competition and why they were favourites at the beginning of the year. When you go down the list of their their forward pack, Abby Corusau comes up with 50 tackles. Just a, just a normal day's work for Appy. Fisher-Harris was immense. And if you're, if, you're cool. a guy, if you're a guy like Paulo and you're trying to make a run back on first tackle and you've got... Fisher Harris, Liam Martin, Kurt Capewell, and Isaiah yeah, yeah. Eo waiting, waiting for you, 10 metres out, sprinting up at extreme speed, and they're absolutely there every single time after the fifth tackle kick from Cleary. You know, that's a formula for winning games. And obviously, Penrith have been playing that way for, for the last, you know, two to three seasons. And it just kind of came to fruition now just how good that game plan is and how effective it can be on the biggest stage and the biggest games. Probably an X factor for them. And that forward pack that took it probably to another level mm-hmm. was some of the tackling of Kickout. I thought Kickout did some some really important things in the game, made some crucial tackles. You know, some he tackled Paulo at the end of the first half on the wing. He yeah. made that big smash on. I think it was Taff that the ball ended up going dead, and then they got another repeat set that was in the second half. I thought they got exceptional form out of Scott Sorensen in the last month or so yeah. of footy. He, yep. he, you know, he didn't play that many minutes in the game and punched out 85 metres. And uh, Spencer Lanoue, that was, you know, even though it was a bit of a dodgy play, he, he got a positive result out of that kick with, um, with Reynolds. So the forward pack of, of Penrith was just absolutely immense all game long. All those names are guys who are rep- representative level players and, yeah, they really came to the fore in this matchup. You, you touched on Appy. I actually was messaging a mate at halftime and I think we were both sort of agreeing that if the Panthers win, it's Cleary for Clive Churchill and if the Rabbitohs win, it's Walker. But I actually put down Appy as a flyer because yeah. I just thought he was that good in that first half. Probably yeah. nothing that sort of really jumped out of at you from the TV yeah. as, a, as an outstanding play, but just the service and um, just being pesky, right? At any time... Uh, a marker's somewhat out of position. Abby's going to make you pay. Um, all the good hookers do. Cookie, obviously, is probably the leader in that regard. Damien Cook from Rabbitohs. But mm. um, I thought Appy was, was probably the better of the of the two hookers last night. Um, I thought he yeah, was, was really good. You, um, you, you touched on Gagai as well before. Mm. And I, I want to point out that he had that... Um, that, that sort of uh, that tackle that went a bit Ooh. eerie for him in the, in the mm. first half. He obviously wanted to run out and put pressure on. It's a grand final. You've got the adrenaline racing. You, put, you, you rush out and yeah. obviously didn't time it as well. And that HIA period for him was probably a little bit of a, uh, an inhibitor. Uh, I think if he stayed out there and just, you know, had his usual really good gag I gave, it could have been different. He did, though. You, you mentioned before, like 12 tackle busts, hmm. considering he went off for an HIA in the first half. is ridiculous. Um, it's almost like they just didn't have the momentum, though. And Penrith, all the while, were putting on this pretty clinical um, showing from their, their back three, you know, Toto and, and Crichton. you got those guys bringing it out for you. It's almost like that Blake Ferguson effect. It's an extra forward bringing the ball out for you. 
Um, so I thought the Gagai thing was was a bit of a turning point in the game. Uh, kick out, you mentioned, and the effect that he had on Jai Arrow, basically taking him out of the game. There were just these little one-on-one battles that I think maybe Penrith came out on top, right? Appy, um, yeah, just, just I, I think Penrith across the board probably had, uh, you know, just the better of, of some key matchups, and that's what it came down to. But, um, yeah, it's, momentum. It's, it's really unfortunate that... I suppose this is an underlying theme of the whole finals. Like, which team's going to get a HIA first? Which team's going to lose one of their forwards early in the game? Because obviously it's an important part of the game and the NRL are working really hard to try to try to make it as safe as possible and get the process as right as they can. But it's just really unfortunate to see. We love the big hits and the big contact is what it's all about with the forwards. But it's just really unfortunate to see players missing crucial Crucial games, having to go off and, and get tested. And we know it's the right thing, but you just wish that that wouldn't happen. And you don't want it to be a, a case of, you know, last team standing, last team with all their big guys intact will, will be able to get it done. But out of Penrith, they just found a way to do it. The the formula of the way that they were tackling first and second tackle, they they put the pressure on, on South early. And, yeah, they're definitely those guys who were missing, whether it was Arrow or... Um, Gagai for a little bit or even Cam Murray who we haven't even touched on how good Cam Murray was you know the guy guy made 50 tackles and anyone who saw that very first hit of the game he copped a back of the head knock and and that probably would have sent most people home for for the day but it was it was shades of Sam Burgess uh, the last time the the Bunnies made the final glass in 2014 the very first possession Burgess basically breaks his face and uh, and they obviously go on to, to get a good win in that game. But I saw that Murray first hit and thought, okay, there could be an HIA implication here. And if they lose Murray, that's going to be tough. He was just um, unbelievable. You know, if you gave me a handful of guys or asked me for a handful of guys that I knew were just going to go out there and give it their all, do their best, um, Cam Murray would have been one of those. He's, he's become one of the most consistent in the league. And you see Dan, Damian Cook, I'm seeing now 45 tackles from him as well. You know, between him and Murray, that's leadership, that's commitment. They really stood up and it, it takes a really, really good team to, to stop Penrith from running away with that game, given all the field position and, and all they had. As, as a diehard New South Wales fan, uh, as diehard New South Wales fans as well, like we love to see Cook and Cam Murray out there having absolute blinders. Um because, you know, I've affectionately um, appreciated them, I guess, over the last couple of years in terms of what they've done for New South Wales. And, you know, it was awesome to see them play so well for the Bunnies last night. I, I can't credit the South Sydney club, I guess, enough for how they, first of all, approached the game last night uh, and how they were gracious in defeat. I think it says a lot mm-hmm. about the, the personnel they had. It was so tough. Um, just as, like, I guess, as a rugby league fan in general, seeing Adam Reynolds and everything he's given to that club over however many years, right? Mm. Being a South junior to go out like that, not just losing a grand final, but you know he's going to be replaying that kick over and over if, his head for if at you least want, the next couple of months. If you want to talk about that kick, the uh, conversion that he had, as soon as they scored the try and just, I saw that it was in the corner, I could feel the pressure that yeah that Reynolds was feeling. That's grand final kick pressure and. You know, the thing that probably almost works against him is that people expect him to make that kick. He's been pretty much known across the league as mm-hmm. the best, maybe an exception to um to, to Cleary and the fact that well, he, ne- he never misses. But we expect Reynolds to kick that, especially that sideline kick going from right to left. He really is a master of that. Mm-hmm. And if you 
you think about the toll of the game, the, all the effort and the energy had taken for South to get into that position and to have a kick for goal, knowing it was his last game for South. He was only, I think, three or four points away from becoming, you know, one of the all-time kickers in point scorers in, in yeah. history. I felt that the pressure was, it was more likely that he was going to miss than make it, just given all of the pressure. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of my team, the Cowboys. It reminded me of Jonathan oh, Thurston lining up because yeah. that was all built for him. Luckily for him, that game was tied. And that that was, you know, that felt like the pressure of the world was on his shoulders. But yeah. the truth is, there was no pressure because he could have missed it and they'd go an extra time anyway. But this one for Reynolds was probably as tough a kick as you're ever going to get as a conversion player in the NRL. You have to know, though, um, that as a halfback, and a goal kicker going into these grand finals, you'd be, you know, um, you'd be kidding yourself if you thought that these guys didn't think about that moment prior to the game, right? Once you know you're in the grand final as a halfback, over that next week, you're thinking about obviously running through, you know, your your moves and, you know, you're visualising yourself giving good passes and and putting good kicks in. But you are 100% putting yourself in a position where, where, Okay, we're down two. I'm kicking from the sideline with five minutes left. Every kicker thinks about that. So that's probably what hurts him more. Um, and you're right, the, the, the pressure of, you know, being seen as a sharpshooter, being seen as a guy that is, you know, probably the best goal kicker in the game, right, with yeah. the exception of Cleary, yeah. like you said. So that's weighing on his mind. And I've got to admit, when he first kicked it, I thought it was good. I thought it had mm. enough. I thought it had enough it, comeback on it. It, but, it had um, that shape, right? To left had the shape. Team. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it just stayed out wide. But um, you know, you, you touched on it on the intro, right? It, it wasn't over. He had the forty-meter um, two-point field goal attempt, which yeah. was probably five meters short. Um, mm. You know, times it times it five percent better, and, and maybe that goes over. So. Um, yeah, you, you feel for him, but uh, I think if you're in the crowd there last night, as a you know, just as a Brisbane fan watching a, a grand final, maybe you go oh for yeah, Broncos, it's in Suncorp. You're thinking you're pumped. Uh, I'm pumped. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm pretty excited for next year. Um, you know, Kirk Capewell as well was out there, and, and he's going oh, to the Broncos. Just another um, epic game from him. <laughs> just another workhorse. So um, yeah, between uh, Capewell. Reynolds, um, the Broncos have a little bit to be excited about, but that's a, a whole other story. I just think um, that's a grand final that I won't be forgetting anytime soon just because of how close it was and because of how, for 80 minutes, I was on the edge of my seat. And, and you don't get that in every uh, every NRL game. No doubt. You, you definitely felt that in, in the post-game conference as well, just how much you know it meant to both teams and, and obviously the super coaches. And I thought Wayne Bennett was absolutely riveting and interesting in that in that post-game conference he touched on Reynolds we know that he's had uh, a groin issue that that he's been playing through this whole this whole um, final series and he gave the kicking duties to Taff even in the prelim final which is absolutely unheard of and apparently Wayne Bennett said that you know he hadn't been kicking all week Reynolds he only kicked the day before just to make sure that groin was feeling good in the game so it's not the normal preparation for Reynolds and you would have loved to have seen him at hundred percent because, you know, nine times out of 10, the Adam Reynolds that we know is absolutely nailing that kick. What I was going to say is, is that the, is that the difference? Is it that, you know, he sort of has this injury cloud coming in and maybe he doesn't get up as many kicks pre-game um, and in training yeah. that he would have, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, lots of questions. I, I just want to touch on Wayne while you brought him up to us because yeah. the, the Wayne Bennett coaching 
psychology, I guess you can call it, I find really fascinating. In the lead up to the grand final, he might have even sort of said it. Mm. He compared Cody Walker to Wally Lewis and said yeah. he could even be better. Now, I personally think um, it's a pretty big call and, and maybe not one that's <laughs> justified now. Maybe at the end of Cody's career, we could sit down and have a look at it again and, and run the numbers. But I, I just think that talks to the the psyche of, of how Wayne Bennett's able to get the best out of his players. You know, build, I think it was maybe Joey. Well, maybe Joey Johns, I think I heard say, you know, if you're Cody Walker and you wake up on grand final day and you read that, like, what are you thinking? You're thinking, I'm a top three player in this league and this Let's grand is mine for the taking. It, exactly, it's on. So... I just thought that, you know, when you think about leadership um, and what Wayne Bennett's been able to do as a coach in this game for however many years, right, since I've lost count, um, he still knows how to bring the best out of his players. I thought that was just a really sort of sly way to give his best player, basically, a, a bit of a G up prior to the game. And Wayne handled the, the whole final with class. Even the, the press conference, as you mentioned, after the game, he was talking about, you know, there's no regret, right? We, we literally did everything we can as a footy team. And again, if you're a player and you hear Wayne Bennett, you know, the best coach of all time, talking about your performance like that, you can hold your head high. And that's, I think, what um, is most important out of this game. That the Panthers get the win. They played really well. But the Bunnies can um, be really proud. And I know that uh, you're going to be speaking to Al in a couple of weeks' time for a pod. I know that he's going to be um, pretty proud as a Bunnies fan. So you might want to ask him about that when you, uh, when you have a chat. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah, I think yeah, you're absolutely right about the stuff you touched on with, with Wayne Bennett. He's, yeah. he's taken four teams to a grand final and, you know, he talked about how, how this will really sting, but he's extremely proud and you just need to look at their their forward pack and some of their kind of unheralded or guys you might not know so much about that have turned themselves into absolute right. frontline forwards. The, the like, second row is Asua and Kaloma Tani, right? Two... Kaloma not necessarily household names, like I guess you could say, in terms of rugby league, but those two guys can play. Uh-huh. 36 tackles for Sewer and yeah. 57 minutes for Komatangi. He, you know, if, if they had a little bit more ball and attack, you know, he's, he's always a cheeky guy to potentially go over and score. He's got that versatility. He's got that strength. He's, uh, yeah. Well, I I was going to say, oh. Kloma Tungi made his presence felt in defence, right? Where there are a couple yeah. of times he just tried to lay someone out. Would, which is what you expect in a grand final from, from one of your forwards, just to sort of try and, and put a few shots on. But between the two of them, and you've got Cam Murray at 13, like that, yeah. that's a back row. Um, and I think they lose Sua uh, next year. He's going to the Dragons. Going to the Dragons. Uh, that's a tough loss. And kind of the, uh, the Dragons have become the wash-up spot for all previous Broncos. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like, you know, go and do a stint at the Dragons for a couple of years if, you know. Get a payday and, and don't win. You want to be a <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked what um, Tavita Totola did as well. I thought he he was pretty immense. 36 tackles for him, made over 100 metres. I thought I thought he was pretty pretty exceptional. And actually, the guy who, who, this is the best game I've ever seen him play, it was Thomas Burgess. He was Thomas monstrous. Burgess. He was monstrous in his minutes. He, um... He ran for 139 metres to top the team and he made 23 tackles without a miss. So that's and probably, a, yeah, probably the game was, of his life. Game of his life. Um, he at one point made a, a really, I think it was just a really good tackle. I remember one point being like, wow, Burgess is, is playing well. That was a good He shot. laid out clear, yeah. He laid out clear. That's the one. That's what. That's one. And, and you know, I, I sort of laugh about the Burgess twins in that um, – 
just your typical footballers, uh, you know, catch, run, tackle. Uh, it's, it's pretty simple for the Burgess boys in that regard. But, um, yeah, you're right. He was really good. There was one hilarious point in the game. I'm not sure if you saw it where uh, I think it um, must have been Walker or Reynolds put up some sort of bomb and Burgess is chasing through, but yeah, clearly yeah. just has no idea where the ball is. <laughs> he doesn't do this at training. He's not um, chasing bombs around, but he sort of threw up his hands and it it was uh, yeah, one of the, the funnier moments of the, of the grand final. But no, you're right, Dust Burgess, um, great game. Jacob Host, uh, didn't see much of him. Benji Marshall, uh, it's probably worth just well, giving a shout out to Benj. Um, maybe his last game, maybe, maybe not. Maybe his, his last game, the original reason why I changed my name to Benji. That's a shout out right there. <laughs> um, that's love, all love for, for Benj. And yeah, I just, he looks mentally checked out to me. Um, uh, there was one period uh, last night and the, the Rabbitohs go over to score and they're all sort of celebrating as a team. You can see how much it means to a couple of them. Benji was just kind of, maybe he was only on for five minutes, but he just wasn't really showing much emotion. Um, it's almost like, you know, he knows that he's coming to the end and would have loved to have gone out on a win there and, and said mm. that he, he wrapped it up with a, a grand final win. But um, I'm curious to see what he does next year because uh, I don't know if he's going to run it back with Souths, but uh yeah, just not much from him last night. I don't know what I would have expected um, from a guy who's been around that long. But, uh, you know, he just didn't quite have the impact that maybe, you know, a Benji from five years might have. I think it just wasn't his game. You know, the way that it was going with South, they didn't have any field position. And, you know, that's where he really thrives. We know that when South are on the front foot and he's getting clean ball in the forward third, he's he's as good as anyone is setting up his, his outside players. So I felt like it just wasn't really a game for him. I think he could probably go around one more time. I think if he's on a, a solid team, a team that you know gets a lot of go-ahead and, and has a strong forward pack, that, that he can still do a role. But that is probably the key question for South straight after, if you transition into their off-season. They're losing probably a, the most key player in the whole thing. The, you know, Reynolds, the captain, the kicker, the face of the franchise, the fan favourite. They did make an acquisition that um, Bennett said in the post game that he thought was a good one in bringing in Milford. So Milford, mm-hmm. we know, can, can play footy. So we'll yep. we'll see where he is in that position. But maybe having a guy like Benji to kind of back up that position, worst case, is is not such a bad thing to have if if he's ready to run it again. I think Benji doesn't have anything left to prove. He's really yep. cha- changed the game, and like you said, was one of the big reasons I got into it as well. And and uh, yeah, I think you know Benji Marshall. It just wasn't his day in this one. You know what you're going to get from him next year if you're a, a sort of mid-pack team and you want him to sign him for a year. Uh, veteran leadership, a guy that can come in and be a positive press, uh, um, presence on probably some of the younger guys that may have in a team. You know, if we want to sort of um, go off topic for a tiny bit here, I think if this Brisbane feeder club was starting next year and not 2023, I think mm. you would have seen both Bennett and Benji Marshall go there as probably the two corner pieces. You've got Bennett coaching and you've got um, Benji who, you know, again, maybe starts, I don't know, but I just think that would have been the perfect combo if you're a feeder team up there in Brisbane or a new team coming into the league. uh, It's almost like that was a year out of of shape. Uh, I I don't think Benji will be running around in 2023. He might prove me wrong and Wayne might still be running around coaching. Um, But yeah, interesting to see what happens there. Um, You know, he, like you said, wasn't his game. Um, a great season from South, no doubt, either way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you can be very happy as a South fan. Uh, you mentioned the pre in the you know sort of opening. I'm a, I'm a Chooks fan, and we didn't quite get there this year. Um, I'm not disappointed in that 
you know, I think the Rabbitohs and, and the, um, sorry, the Rabbitohs and the Panthers were deserving. I almost said the Storm there, and that's because the Panthers beat them in the semi, and I think that's why they're probably deserving, right? They beat the mm. Storm in the semi. Well, the, the Storm were the best in the regular yeah. season, no yeah. Well, you know, I think when um, the, the Bunnies beat the Panthers, right? That this was that's what else was interesting about this grand final. If we reflect on the fact that week one, you know, it's the the, the, the sort of first round of, of the finals. You've got the Penrith team in second going up against the Bunnies in third, and everyone's probably predicting the, the Panthers get that win there. The Bunnies mm. flip the script; they get the win. Everyone's going, whoa, this changes it because now Penrith have to beat the Storm in the semi. And I'll admit I'd ruled out Penrith. I think after that loss to the Bunnies, I thought they're shot. They're probably mentally a little bit sort of what's going on now. They versed the Storm in the semi where I predicted the Storm to get the win and and they came through. I think once they beat the Storm in the semi, Mm -hmm. it was... um, it was theirs for the taking well, open and they just got there. Well, that, that turning point was obviously the reality check of, of losing that first game of, of the finals mm. and then going into an absolute slog fest. I thought that was, you know, this grand final was awesome. Probably the game of the of the finals was that matchup with the Eels where neither yeah. team could just break through. What was it, eight each or eight, six, something? It was just the toughest yeah. footy. So hard to score any points, and Parramatta they got so much size and they absolutely brought it to Penrith all game long. And that was just a bloody that was literally a fight out there on the field of just try to try to get some momentum, try to get over the line and score. It was that kind of built the identity and built the belief, I think, in in Penrith that they can play that that style, that physical style, and grind out victories because that's exactly how they did it against Melbourne and again in this grand final. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They um. They proved it throughout every game in the in the, in the finals, right? That, that they were, well, at least they, they had the loss against the Bunnies in the first game. And you're right, it was a wake up call where from there on in, they just flipped the switch, probably turned they, it up. And I watched. think they, they, they found a lot of confidence in that win against the Eels that they could win. They knew that at that moment, they knew that they could win dirty and they could win a really hard game footy. And they basically played that way till the end of the last time. So, an exceptional win for Penrith overall. And I think one thing we've got to mention about Penrith is that 15 of their players actually debuted for Penrith. So this is a team that, mm. you know, these guys have come into the NRL with Penrith and it obviously has a lot of significance and meaning to them. I think they've been the best team in the last two years. Storm were the best team on the grand final, no doubt, last last season. But Penrith were right there. Minor premiers only lost, I think, one or two games in the whole regular season. So it's kind of a credit to them and just how consistent they've been winning winning football games over the last two years. And eight of their players are from the St. Mary's area. So to have that that tight bond and that, you know, the significance of of being together with with mates from a young age playing local footy to to go and, and share an NRL premiership together, that that's got to be something special for those guys. It's a great advertisement for rugby league, right? I think if you're working in rugby league headquarters and, and you've been around the NRL for a long time, to see a team like Penrith with just so many juniors in that team growing up together, um, you know, for those listening to the pod, you guys might have seen the the scenes in Mount Druitt last night outside Jerome Luai's place. It was just, <laughs> it was an all-out party. Uh, um, did, you, did you see Toho in the change room? He took his... his- New fiance who we just yeah. gave her into and yeah. was giving her the um the shirt off treatment and the there you go the strip te- uh, the strip tease. I don't think it's a night that uh, Brian Top will be uh, forgetting anytime soon. That's for sure. Um, NRL 
premiership, getting himself a ring, uh, getting himself a ring and giving a ring. There you go. <laughs> good, good night for good night for Toto. You don't see that very often. You know, see so the question around would he have given her the ring if they if they didn't get the ring themselves? Who knows? But uh, they're able yeah. to get it done. And now nah, Penrith, an exceptional team, and for sure, no doubt they're in the oh, NRL history books now. And I guess we we move forward into the off season and see what happens because. They're going to almost definitely be the favourites to do it again next year. They are losing a couple of key pieces, but with Nathan Cleary and Ivan Cleary at the helm, this team, you know, they're not going anywhere fast because, you know, Cleary's in the, that prime of his career and, and this is going to happen for years to come. The, the one thing I'd add to that as well is that the Storm um, are in a bit of a pickle right now in terms of uh, the, the cheese, Brandon Smith and Cam Munster, you know, talks about Munster being dropped from the leadership team. They lose mm. Fanukin next year. They lose Nico Hines. Yeah. They're a different team next year, whereas, to your point, Penrith come back, for the most part, pretty much the same. Um, either way, with, with Cleary and Cleary, the, the, the Cleary duo, um, you, know, mm-hmm. you put in guys around them that, that do their job. Between those two, they'll, um, they'll make something good come of it. I think this ranks as, you know, one of, one of the better grand finals in the, last, in the last decade. I think this is, you know, for, for a season that probably there's a lot of more turmoil than ever. The whole, se- the whole back half of the season being played up in Queensland, I think we got a hell of a good NRL grand final. And uh, congratulations to Penrith. And Benji, really nice chatting with you about this, um, you know, about this NRL grand final. This is the first time that we've, we've ventured out into the, um, the NRL game. We've obviously talked a lot about it between us, you know, for years now. But to, to get it out here in a podcast format is, is a lot of fun and really look forward to, to jumping back into it when the NRL season kicks off, you know, in, in the winter in Sydney next year. Loved it, Das. Always good chatting, bro. Um, you know, I, I can always talk about NRL. I think it's a, a great game. The fact that you work around it now is awesome because I know we, we get to share a lot more about it. And uh, as you can see, if, you, if you're watching the video, we're both ready for, for the Warriors um, sort of pod coming soon, which I'm, I'm keen to dive into as a, as a G-State fan. But otherwise, as an NRL fan, Das, tonight's been fun. So uh, thanks for having me, bro. No problem. All right, mate. Peace out for our fans there, and we'll be back with you soon.